Hobby Addict の時間です It's time for Hobby Addict And now here are your anime addicts Fuck yeah, it's time for Hobby Addicts, episode 273, and I'm in the house, Mitsugi is here, and I got my crew, I got Caroline, what's up? Ayo, what's up, Mitsugi? Not much, just chilling, I got my orange juice and tequila here. Uh, This is going to be a rough day for you, isn't it? It's going to be, it's going to continue to be a great weekend. We also have the fantastic Mason, he is just straight chilling, I know it, what is up? I am straight chilling. I just got done with a a run, so I am just basking in the afterglow of uh, doing fitness and Ooh. feeling good. I also and did I fitness. cleaned my bathroom and my bedroom, so now it smells like Clorox bleach. Wow, that's that sounds very relaxing. I like to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and today on this hobby annex, I'm going to talk about Sekiro. My final thoughts. I may also discuss some Olympics because hey. It's Olympic time right now, baby. Caroline and Mason, they're both bringing the intellectualism. They both read. Mitsugi, he can't read anymore. He can barely <laughs> write. I'm not really literate. But Caroline's going to talk about And Then There Were None, which is a book. And Mason has a book called Blindness, which sounds very hmm, visionary, I must say. Yeah. How, is <laughs> it, it, it is, like, actually. How can it be blindness when you're reading? So is it like mm-hmm. in Braille or something? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's that. We'll find out. Okay. All right. Well, Sekiro. So um, <clears throat> I've been playing Sekiro. I couldn't go on my really ridiculous hike this weekend because of the, because of weather. So I stayed home and I played Sekiro. And I have some thoughts. I want to hear Mason's opinion on my thoughts because I played probably 12 hours this weekend and have gotten al- almost all the way through the game to an excessive level. I'm basically following a platinum trophy guide that makes you do all manner of extra shit on the first playthrough. So I've uh, pretty much done everything there is to do at this point. I'm I'm at the final level of the game, which is Ashina Castle at dark at dark time and I'm about to take on the Demon of Hatred, which is like an optional boss that's right at the end. And here are my thoughts. Sekiro is a really great game. I am terrible at it. <laughs> Um, and it's been a good run. However, I, as I've commented on the discord, I can't help but wonder if, if from software is aware of how janky as fuck their bosses are in these games and just simply don't care because they know that losers like me who suck are going to need to have like this terrible boss AI and just glitches out the ass in order to complete the game. Cause that's kind of where I am. That's my thoughts on it. Like I think There are bosses in this game that are so poorly programmed that you can get them like stuck on trees and shit and they'll just like stand there and you can just kill them and they don't even fight back. There are bosses where you can just kind of kite them out of the place where they start and they'll get like the AI gets like confused because they're in like an area that's too narrow and they'll just kind of like turn in a circle and then you can just like hack them to pieces and not even fight them. (laughs) And then there's like, and then like the best one was the monk on the bridge before Fountainhead Palace, if you get him, like, stuck in the corner, his he will literally disappear and just you win the fight automatically. So I was just like, the game is 
at its best when you're just kind of exploring areas and collecting loot. But I can't help but notice, but I can't help but think that from software must know that this game's bosses are janky pieces of crap and they just don't care because they think, well, people like Mason who are good at the game are just going to play the game the way it's meant to be played. And then losers like Mitsuki who can't play the game worth a damn are going to just cheese and cheat their way through the game. And then they don't care. They think that's fine. What are your thoughts on that, Mason? Uh, my first thought is I really did not detect a ton of jankiness from the bosses when I played. Um, as you said, maybe it's because I was engaging with them in the style of fighting the game had intended. Yep. Maybe I just was not as clever as you to nope. Cowardice. push it to the limits. Cowardice. Uh, that said, you know, I am a big fan of speedrunning. I like watching people tackle these bosses in the quickest way possible. And across the board for Sekiro, oftentimes you get by a boss by, like you described, doing something to make them fall out of their arena and just yep. die instantly. Yeah. So there certainly is a looseness to Sekiro that is not prevalent in Dark Souls. I think that's both on the, the I guess you could call it the AI and movement of the boss, but yep. also it's kind of forgiving with this whole parry mechanic. You ideally time it perfectly, but there's a looseness. You can kind of button mash, you can sword dance and just spam the block button and usually end up okay. And there are game modes later on that you can unlock to make it more, you know, punishing when you do that. But I'd say there is a, it's, Sekiro is more like free jazz. You know, you can kind of just muck it up and make it a little muddy. And as long as you're kind of in tempo, like you're going to do okay. So I would say you are not wrong, Mitz. And uh, if you want loose, janky, kind of off hitboxes, like, the game at its worst is kind of the demon of hatred. So I'm very interested in your experience with that. So that said, the game is great. The game, it's it's a middle yes. of, for me, it's a middle of the road, uh, Soulsborne game, whatever however the fuck people refer to it. You know, I, I think it's, and I think all of the Dark Souls games are great. So it's probably one of the better games of the year it came out. I'm enjoying the shit out of it. I'm going to hop on New Game Plus the minute I finish the game and just plow head forward towards that platinum trophy. But let me give mm -hmm. you some examples of how I handle these bosses, because I think it's it's interesting how there's different like approaches. I think the only boss in the game I've played thus far that isn't cheesable or is or doesn't have like a circle mechanic, and I'll get to that in a second, is Genichiro. And I struggle with him a lot, but I came back from like have, not having played in two years. But here are the ways I've gotten through these bosses, and I won't take too long with this. There is, of course, like the Rin O. I know you know the girl. Have you played the Eve Platinum in this game? So there's like the girl. Yeah, the ghostly girl by yep. the the bridge by the Mibu village. Yep. If you kite her across the bridge, she'll just kind of like walk backwards towards where she started, and you can just kill her, and she won't fight you back if fight back at all. So that's what I did for her. She was just whooping my sorry ass. I had basically no chance of killing her. So I was like, well, I'm just going to kite her across this bridge. And then I just basically hacked her to pieces and she didn't even fight back. So there's lots of bosses in the game that are like that. Um, there are bosses like the first corrupted monk and like the Juzo the drunkard in the game where you can basically just run sprint around them in a circle while, while you're locked onto them. Wait for them to do whatever the attack is they've got that has like the the longest cooldown. Jump in, hit them once, and then just jump back out and keep circling. And that's how I beat Juzo the Drunkard. That's how I beat those mini boss at the end. That's basically Juzo the Drunkard again. 
There's a, you have to fight Juzo twice in the game. And then there's um, the Corrupted Monk. And the first time you fight the Owl, I just basically just... The Owl guy, he'll throw two Shurikens at you and then jump at you. And he's like basically... You can jump in and get two, like one nice whirlwind slash on him, and you just keep circling. That move, that technique works on almost every boss in the game that I've fought, except Genichiro. Um, and except the second time you fight the owl. So the second time you fight the owl is in, is in Hidata State. And the young owl fight? Yeah, he's fucking hard. That's a good fight. He's That's hard a good as fight. shit, but of course I cheated. So. <laughs> so here's how I cheated. So I basically got um, five power up items I got the rice. I got a red lump, I got um, the Akko Sugar, uh, Divine Confetti, and the um, some kind of a sword item that gives you more like uh, spirit emblems. So what, what all those items do is the, con- the Confetti and the Akko Sugar jack your, your attack power like through the roof. Um, so you do that, and then, you, and then you, you eat the rice and you eat the red lump. And what the red lump does is it makes you not stagger at all when you get hit. Like he'll hit you and it's like you weren't hit at all. You just keep swinging at him. And then the rice basically regens your health, like probably three times as fast as a pellet would in the game. So, you know, it's basically regenerating your health quicker than he can damage you. Um, and you basically just stand there and just mash the attack button, and he'll keep he'll hit you. But by the time he hits you again, your health re- your health's regenerating quicker than he can hit you. You don't stack <laughs> and you just mow through him. Um, and then you have to run around the arena again while you add all the buffs like this a second time. And I actually yep. fucked up and had to apply a couple of them a third time. So I did use a lot of power-up items, but you can just mow through them. You don't even have to fight them. Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. The only boss that I found a cheese for on like my third playthrough of the game was the... Oh, I forgot her name. Also in Harada Estate, the first time you go, the the lady who jumps around lady a bunch. Butterfly? Yes. Uh, I realized if you just attack her, she can like you know take a hit and then bounce away but if you do like a dodge attack so you dodge you attack and you do like a spinning move that stun locks her so you just constantly dodge attack dodge attack dodge attack and as long as your attacks hit you just essentially keep her in one place for 75 percent of her health and i was like i don't like this (laughs) it feels dirty well i'm not surprised that you didn't find this stuff because like i'm i am just god awful at this game i can I get mowed down by regular enemies in this game. So, you know, when I hit a boss, I'll fight it. I'll get obliterated, like just destroyed in seconds. And I'm like, well, fuck this. And then I go straight to YouTube and I type, but about a, but about a, uh, <laughs> o of the whatever, uh, cheese. And I just, there's like some guy that posts a cheese video for every boss and he knows exactly how to cheese your way through every boss. And I just cheese through all of them. So I was never going to start getting, you're going to start getting dairy advertisements in your recommended ads. <laughs> I was never going to beat that owl in, in, in Hidata Estate. And you got to beat him to get the platinum. He yep. he was just wrecking the shit out of me. I, I tried him maybe 15 times, honestly, and couldn't do it. Couldn't even get close. And so, you know, whatever. So I pretty much only have two bosses left. I've got the final boss, and I've got the Demon of Hatred. So I have no doubt there's a cheese for Demon of Hatred. And I think the final boss is, like, supposed to be the hardest boss in the game. So... He might be a struggle. We'll see, but you know. I've only played Demon a couple times. That's probably one of my least favorite in the game. Uh, the last boss, though, is 
exemplary and just a beautiful dance. And like the same way the first time you fight Genichiro up on the castle where you just feel like I have learned this game, I have conquered the mechanics and it's a beautiful victory. That's how the final boss is. Yeah, so I hope hopefully you get that experience. Otherwise, I'm sure you can find some cheese. I don't really want to have another Genichudo experience until I have to fight him a second time, but we will. Well, that's we the, will that's see. the final boss. Well, I'm gonna new game plus it because I want to because you can oh, true. You, you can use save you can use save states to get the first three endings in the first playthrough, and then the second and the last ending you have to you do whatever and but you probably you succumb to Owl early and that ends I the think game. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the game is great. I recommend everybody play it who likes a challenge. Um, you know, I don't think it's like as good as Bloodborne, but I, but I've enjoyed all of these all of this company's games thoroughly, and I can't wait to play more of them. Um, I'm not really going to talk about the Olympics too much because uh, I figure that's maybe going to come up in the after party. But I will talk about the medal count. Medal count. We're still behind China in gold medals, but we have ten almost ten more silvers. So we're ahead on medals by eight, but we're, but honestly, we're gonna we're gonna just annihilate every other country. We're gonna blow right past China when they get to the track and field finals because we usually win like thirty to forty medals in track and field. And China, from what I've seen, barely has anybody participating in track and field, so they're they're not gonna they're not gonna keep up with us. And Japan has done so well though; they've got seventeen gold medals. And um, I mean, how many of those are from judo? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, they've been they've been rolling with uh with that event, which is great to see. Yeah, it's just nice to see the home country doing well, and Australia is doing really well. Great Britain, uh, Russia, who's kind of been like shamed. They don't even, they don't even call them Russia because they've cheated so much. And then you got like the normal crew of like France, South Korea, Italy, Netherlands. But the uh, yeah, the Olympics is good. I'll talk about it more later. But I want to give you guys a chance to talk. So Caroline, and then there were none. Is this like? A murder book where everybody dies. Yes, this is my first Agatha Christie book that I've read. Uh oh. Um, so, as you have said, the title does kind of already spoil you about the book. Everyone's going to die. So, if you don't want <laughs> any more spoilers about this book, then I would recommend skipping ahead because I'm going to talk about spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's hard to talk about this book without telling you almost everything about it. Um, do you guys care if I talk about spoilers? I, I haven't read a book like uh, like a novel in, in ages, so you just go right ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I don't amazing. really mind. I, okay. I Honestly, despite like her overwhelming popularity, I don't know if I've ever read an Agatha Christie book myself. Yeah, well, I was going to start off with Murder on the Orient Express because I know that is like the most popular book. Mm-hmm. But I was going through my li- going through the library, going to get a book from them, and Murder on the Orient Express wasn't exactly in great shape, and I did not want to make it even worse. So I went with, and then there were none. And also because I know if I go for her arguably best book or most popular book, then everything's going to pale in comparison. So um, which is yeah, what? I went within what is. Which is which Orient ones? on the Murder Express. So M- she went Murder with. on the Orient Express. Orient <laughs> on the Express of Murder. But I mean, like, which Express ones are on the Murder of the Orient? Which one's her book that like is the best though? I mean, that I've one. only read this one so far, so that uh, that would be Murder on the Orient Express. Okay. Arguably, <laughs> I, I'm just making a joke. Uh, that's how like my mom remembers like movie titles. She's always like, "Oh, I love that movie, Six Big Hero." <laughs> 
and we were like, I, I know exactly what book you're talking about and what movie you're talking about, but that's mm, all the words are there, but not quite. <laughs> well, anyway. let me give you the preface of the book. So basically, 10 people are invited to this island um, in order to meet with or work for the very rich occupants of this island known as Unon. Uh, are they all sex uh, addicts? No, and no- nothing like that. <laughs> um, so everyone has different reasons for being there. Some of them are contacted by old friends or mentioning of things of the past. So like they're like, okay, I don't know these owners, but they seem to know of me. So I'm going to enjoy myself on this uh, very famous island that everyone's been talking about in the news because it's been bought. Um, so they all come to this island, and there is a storm on the way. So... After everyone arrives on the island, there is very little chance of every, anybody else leaving or coming to the island. But the thing is, is that they arrive and none no, their hosts are not there. The only people who are there to greet them are the butler and his wife, who were also um, invited to come there to help serve them. And they were, received a note that they would not be able to come because of a, a prior engagement or something like that. So everyone's here on this island and they're not entirely sure why until people start dying of strange deaths. And all of it seems to coincide with this poem on the wall called the Ten Little Soldiers. So um, in this poem, <laughs> the soldiers die in like in certain circumstances. Um, and they, in conjunction with that, I guess, the people who start to die follow that same pattern of how the people in this poem die. So... You can see how this book is already going to go by reading the poem and trying to figure it out for yourself. So I was trying my hardest to try to figure out who the murderer was before the end of the book. And I thought I did it until my suspect was already dead. They got killed. Uh So I'm just like, well, I guess I don't know who the murderer is. Kind of throws a wrench in things. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And so it continues on. And I'm like, okay, so maybe it's this guy. He seems like the red herring because he's like, he seems to be the most violent of everyone there. So I'm like, okay, (laughs) so he's probably like the most obvious choice. But Agatha Christie, you know, always tries to throw you off your rhythm. So I was thinking like, okay, so it's probably him then. Nope. And then by the end of it, again, everyone is dead. And then you don't figure out what the heck is going on until the very last, like, ten pages. By the end of this book, I still didn't know who the murderer was until the epilogue. Um, did you, so, as a... Tr- did, you oh, sorry, ever, what? did you guys ever watch Scooby-Doo? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Did, did you remember how there's a character in Scooby-Doo called Red Herring? And they always thought it was, like, it was him. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was, like, this, like, freckly red-headed kid that they always blamed all the crimes on him, and it was never him. You know, I do it's, not uh, recall. That's that's comedy. Yeah. <laughs> bah. Okay. Sorry. So <laughs> I will I will actually spoil who the murderer is in this book. Oh. And I mean, do you need to to tell us why it's good or bad or why we should read it? Sorry, I just really wanted to talk about it. So okay. I'll, I'll then try then to go keep for, it. No, secret. go for it. No, you can say it if so, you want. I'm not going to stop you. As it turns out, the person that I thought was the murderer who died was the actual murderer because okay so he forms like this alliance of some sort with one of the other people on the island because they both quote unquote thought like each other were generally trustworthy 
Um, so, for in this guy that he forms the alliance with was the doctor that was invited to the island. So he pretended to die in order to throw the murderer, quote unquote, off their rhythm. So he told. So, so the 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 actual murderer told the doctor. Okay, we're going to set this up as if I died. Then I can sneak around the house and try to figure out who the actual murderer is. So they pretended he died, and the doctor, um, you know, checks the pulse and tells everyone else that, like, okay, he's dead. But he's actually still alive, and he's the one killing people. And he doesn't actually die until everyone else is dead. And it's like, well, Jesus, Agatha, you did it. How old is Agatha? Is it, I'm sure she's dead by now, but but when was she writing? I don't know. I I can't remember exactly her year. Let me let me check out the the uh, copyright date of this. Um, so Agatha Christie was born in 1890 and died in 1976. And this book was uh, copyrighted in, in 1940. So hmm. I guess she was you know, like probably 50 years old. Yeah, 50. Yeah, so the only thing with this book is that a lot of the deaths are very conveniently placed, you know? Like, a lot of things had to fall into place for the murderer to get this all in his plans. So that, and also the way he killed himself at the very end, is pretty... Like, it, it does... that. I, don't, I cannot picture how this whole contraption worked, but he eventually killed himself so that the murder weapon did not end up in his room, and I'm just like, I, I just don't get it, but the rest of it was pretty good. Have you ever seen the movie Knives Out? Yes, I love that movie. I was gonna say that it's a very similar mm-hmm. style of, you know, a bunch of people isolated in a big mansion... They start dying, and it's the question of who's who done it, which are, which are always inherently fun. Yeah, I mean, this one is more of the on the psychotic killer type of <laughs> yeah of murder mystery. That one is more of a fun murder mystery, I would say. That is Clue. This is Agatha Christie, <laughs> I guess. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, I'm glad you guys are reading. It's a uh... Even though I don't do it, I think it's important. So I'm glad you guys do it. Thanks. <laughs> so that said, Mason, why don't we continue the intellectual train with we can try. a little bit more. So I read a book called Blindness. It's a novel. came out in 1995 by Portuguese author Jose Saramago. And it's kind of one of his most famous novels. Unlike Carolina, I was like, if I'm going to read one book by this guy, I want it to be what is widely considered to be his best. It was one of the works that earned him the Nobel Prize in literature. And I believe this was uh, adapted into a movie, which I have not seen and really have no interest in seeing. But nonetheless, this is, it's only like 290 pages or so, but it, it... is probably the longest 300-page book I ever read. Not because it's, like, (laughs) boring, but because it is uh, a difficult read, not in the, well, sort of in the grammar, but it just, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty brutal. So, essentially, as you may or may not have guessed by the title, this takes place in an unnamed city, but, you know, it kind of could be any city 
where people just start going blind Hmm. and it starts off with one person and it kind of spreads by some means of contact where they look at someone or whatever it starts getting transmitted very topical in today's world of you know transmissions and stuff but essentially they start trying to quarantine these people it doesn't work essentially the whole world goes blind and we follow a group of about 10 characters who are like the first group to go blind and they are kind of quarantined by the government in this mental institution where they have like no contact with the outside world and they're just like soldiers outside patrolling to to make sure that they don't escape to keep the virus contained. It's kind of the story of these 10 people and then 20 people and then 30 people as more and more blind people start coming into this institution and it becomes overrun and unregulated and just it's it's a nightmare scenario it is frightening and essentially the book is told in a bunch of interesting ways first of all our narrator or not our narrator but our main character kind of ends up being what what is called the doctor's wife who's the only person in the world who retains her blindness or sorry retains her sight she can see we don't know why she can keep on seeing but she acts blind in order to stay with her husband the the doctor uh and help him through the ordeal so she is you know you hear the saying in the eye of the blind the one-eyed man is king that's essentially what it is referenced to so this book is a little difficult to read because a nobody is given a name we are we refer to everyone as the doctor or the doctor's wife or the girl with dark glasses or the dog of tears or the man with the eye patch. Like it's all no one for the entire book is given a name and there is very little punctuation. In fact, almost none, uh, no periods, no quotation marks, no semicolons. Like it's just words tumbling onto words, tumbling onto words. And Mixed with, you don't know who these people are, kind of when they are talking or when someone's describing something or when the narrator is saying something. Like, it is just a, I don't know, it kind of puts you in a state of unease for the whole book. And it is a tough book to read also because it is just depressing and just grim. <laughs> like... You know how most stories have like a shape to them, as Kurt Vonnegut would say? It has its ups, it has its downs, it has its victories, it has its defeats. They were the best of times this, and they were the worst of times. Exactly. This book is the worst of times for oh 290 pages. Like, there's really the not like. 10. So it's like Sekiro. <laughs> Everybody's miserable. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. Like, it just it starts off bad because the first guy goes blind within like a page. And then it just gets worse and it gets worse. And there, I was like 25% of the way through the book. And I'm like, okay, we've definitely reached rock bottom right now. Uh, no, not even nope. close. It just, the whole book is used to examine human society in times of a crisis. And like I said, it's very applicable today. And just people are just living in squalor. There's fighting. There is a... It's kind of notorious for a very drawn out, intense, like, I'll just say, like, rape sequence in the, like, halfway point of the book because prisoners 
who are blind, you know, there's not enough food rations, start using their positions of power, a.k.a. like beds that they've taken apart to make weapons to like start making demands of the others. And it gets, uh, yeah, it's not an easy book. And it was certainly interesting and unique. Um, I, I don't know if I really recommend it to people, but it was nonetheless <laughs> an experience. Sounds like a sad-ass book to me. It, it was. It was... Like, at the end, I'm not going to spoil anything. It might have, like, a little light at the end of the tunnel, but it's 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 pretty shocking. And not in, like, a, oh, I'm going to write some edgy stuff to appeal to it. Like, it all feels grounded in what humanity could degrade into when the whole world when loses, the chips are like, down. A critical yeah. thing, yeah. You get tough on your luck. Like, it's a book that is kind of interesting to read but more interesting when you close it and then you think about oh what would happen in my life like how would i act what like how would my life change if such a disaster fell upon me or the people i know and it's uh it's it's something so that was blindness uh yeah i'm glad i read it i'll i'll i never want to read it again (laughs) well (laughs) that's about it is there? Do you think there is a reason why there's so little punctuation in this book? Um. So, Saramago kind of always writes like that, from what I've seen reviews say. Like that's kind of part of his style. It kind of. It's not like um, train of thought, but it just has these very long passages that just not stream of consciousness, but it definitely. That's how he does his stuff. That's how he pulls you into the atmosphere. And it definitely was a very vivid book and well-written, for sure. And it just helps make you more uneasy and more like uncertain on where things are going to go. It sounds very tiring to read a book that is so like yeah. re- unrelenting, especially in just the speech patterns. Yeah, the speech, the, the the themes, the depression. And like I said, it's, it was only like 280 pages, but it just it felt like so much longer <laughs> to get through. But it was a it was an interesting read. I was going to ask you, Caroline, you know, now that you've read and then there were none. Do you plan on reading Christie's other books? Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if I'll read it next because um yeah, I just had a couple other things I kind of wanted to read first, but I'll definitely be reading Murder on the Orient Express, probably the next one. Oh, I've heard of that one, I think. Uh, we literally said the title like 4,000 <laughs> times, Mitsugi. <laughs> I mean, it's also like a couple movies and stuff, but he's, he's, he's trying Come to pay on attention. Now. We take it. <laughs> I'm, I'm old. I'm glad I can. My birthday's on Tuesday. I'm glad I can even remember what happened five minutes ago. Oh, look, Pancake just showed up, and she brought me Sonic. Wow. What? Oh, my goodness. Orange juice, tequila, and and Sonic. Sonic. Diet cherry limeade. Mm. Mmm. Oh, boy, it must be my birthday. Oh, it's my birthday on Tuesday. It's a Sonic. (laughs) What would you get from Sonic? I told you, a diet cherry limeade. That's, That's it? Like no food? No, no food. Mitsugi's oh. <laughs> on a very tight macro budget, and I'm cutting right now. 
Mitsugu, you're going to have to go to the bathroom like three times during the podcast. I do that anyway. It's That's all true. good. I'm old. I pee like 14 times in the middle of the night. It's all good. Nice. <laughs> TMI. Even in a hammock, I manage. I can figure it out. Pancake comes in. She's like, here's a drink for you. And now because I brought you a drink, I'm just going to stand here and talk shit. <laughs> for like five whole minutes. Oh, she flicked me off as she walks down the stairs. That's nice. Got him. Got him. Well, geez, I'm glad you guys are enjoying your books. And, uh, you know, I could... have to uh, level out the intellectualness of this. While you guys are reading books, I'm watching South Park. (laughs) So we're going going the opposite direction as far as, like, intellectualism. I have... uh, We've watched seasons one through eight of South Park on HBO Max, and it's pretty much... HBO Max is the jankiest, shittiest streaming app i we have ever had that shit crashes i told you i it told you it's so bad ghetto how does how does a company with as much money as as hbo fuck it up that badly i yeah. i was stunned when i got it it is how unbelievable awful it is speaking of questionable uh american animated content yeah i started i don't know if i will continue i what was in the gym and i needed i needed something to watch and all my YouTube subscriptions I had gone through, so I started up BoJack Horseman. What is that? It's on oh, Netflix. It's, it's a Netflix show. It's it's a classic. It is? It tells the story. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'd say it's pretty well regarded in the, you know, like, adult animation, you know, black comedy, surreal humor kind of thing, but it tells the story of uh, BoJack Horseman, uh, voiced by Will Arnett, who is a person with a horse fur face. I think actually just a horse. I'm not sure. I only watched half of an episode so far. But this this character, this this horseman, used to be on like a sitcom. Used to be crazy popular. Obviously, after many years, it gets canceled, and now he's kind of down and out on his luck, and kind of an alcoholic, and kind of finding no purpose in the world and kind of being dumped by everyone and realizing, hey, my life sucks and everything sucks and I'm oh. depressed and I'm addicted. Pobrecita. To just, exactly. Not in a good place. And kind of his, I guess, attempt to revitalize himself. But I think it's mainly a, uh, like a hashtag relatable, hashtag sad, hashtag uh, human condition study. Got and it. I've heard it's pretty good. Uh, and episode one so far has been all right. I may or may not feel compelled to watch it. I know it's very popular and I probably should have given it a chance by now, but Caroline, have you seen this? I have seen the, like, the picture on Netflix and I've seen, seen people it? talk about it, but <laughs> I've never seen watched that it. you it I know that yeah. it exists and I know generally what it looks like. I have no idea what it's about. But I've heard good things from people uh, who've seen it. So, Yeah, so I, I may or may not continue it. In the meantime, I have my next couple of books lined up. I do not have my next video game lined up. I, I haven't been continuing my Pokemon adventure, oh, but I need no to. I just, I just, I was playing Ender Lilies. You know, I, was, I was beating that right. game. So I just kind of just haven't had time and i mean 
I guess Horizon when it comes out will be cool. Oh, it's so and good. Of, have and of course, the, have you played the original? Yep. Fuck yep. me, it's so good. God. And of course, we have a uh, Elden Ring mm. in like five months from now. So start the countdown. Is that is that going to be a PS5 exclusive? No, no, it's not possible. Companies would be I, dumb, I, I, honestly, to do that at this point because there's almost no PS5s out there. Like, this, this like I, a, this, I was this, sure it was coming out for PS4. The supply yeah, constraints have been, have been so intense that I don't Windows, see Windows, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. Horizon's probably the same way. Yeah, definitely. I'm just gonna keep buying these games for PS4 until I have to buy a PS5. So the only game of this uh, thus far that I wanted for PS5 that I can't play yet is Dark is the Demon Souls game and Ratchet and Clank. And other than that, I'm just mm-hmm. sitting pretty, waiting for all, waiting for my projector to finally die. Things old as fuck and it's making weird noises. So <laughs> we'll see. I don't really want to buy another one, but they are expensive. Well, I think my next book will be returning to the book that I was reading for a while, um, and I have not read since I got COVID, so (laughs) um, it's been quite a few months. But I got this book from like that is from the podcast that I talked about on another hobby addicts uh, stuff you should know. They wrote this book called An Incomplete Compendium of Mostly Interesting Things. Um, so it's kind of like a book version of their podcast, like just talking about very random histories and things like that. So, all right, guys, why don't we wrap it up here? Because we gotta we gotta saunter over to the to the official AAA podcast studio where we do our main podcast. Hmm. And we'll see you guys next time. But you know what? Everyone should read a book. Read a book, people, because it's good for you. It really is. You say that, Mitsugi, but you've never read a book. Just, I have read books just because I'm not reading at the moment. But don't don't be a Mitsugi, okay? You want to be a Mason. You want to be a Caroline, okay? You want to read a book. You want to practice your handwriting. Keep up the arts, you know? You want to read a book, and you want to just write the alphabet or some shit because, honest to God... When I write things, that's like embarrassing. I'm so my handwriting's so bad. So <laughs> don't be don't be a Mitsugi, okay? That's the moral of the story. Pancake shaking her head no at me. Just like skateboarding is fun, reading is fun. That's right. See you reading guys next time cool. on Hobby Addicts. Bye. Peace. Bye bye.